Mamma mia, creatures of the night, welcome to episode 96 of Talk and Taker, our encyclopedic exploration, digging up the career of the greatest professional wrestling character of all time. My name is Alex Dorio, and I want to thank you for joining us for another round of A Dead Amana Talking, and I am joined, as always, by, my, by the Bambino himself, by my Paisan, the Goomba. The Colossus of Bel Air Road, Mr. Travis White. And Travis, dude, are you ready? <clears throat> Let me drop this Italian accent here, like we're going to be here in a minute. Are you ready to get down to some basic thugonomics on this episode of Talking Taker? Yo, it's so gay. I'm on fire. Yo, it's so gay. I'm on touch with word life. <laughs> Excuse me? Dude. God bless you. Yo, it's so gay. <laughs> it's so gay. Man, this guy was. Our, I mean, we were the biggest fans of this guy at this point, man. He's awesome. I'm wearing my <laughs> Word Life 2003 original vintage throwback actual first ever John Cena shirt right mm-hmm. now that I could not wait to get back then. Oh, yeah, I was so envious you got that. I didn't get it. Did you get that at SmackDown we were at? I did, man, back in October yeah. of 2003. Yeah. I had to have it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good stuff, man. That was awesome. Love it. Yeah, um, yeah. we're going to get into it here, but yeah, yo, it's, it's okay. <laughs> We've got a bit of a double episode for you here on yeah. Talking Taker <laughs> as we pound through a few months of the dead man's career as we get on the road to a huge match, a very memorable match in 2003 from the Vengeance pay-per-view, the first ever rare pay-per-view encounter between John Cena and The Undertaker, the only one for about 15 years, just about, (laughs) (laughs) which is crazy when you think of these two icons and cornerstones of the business, but here they met early in John Cena's career, but it takes a while to get there after WrestleMania, and we're also going to we're going to slog through a Italian job, if you will, as The Undertaker takes on the full-blooded Italians in a feud <laughs> you would be forgiven if you completely forgot about. Well, then forgive me, because I totally forgot this. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. And, of course, we are a retro podcast. We're going through the Dead Man's career one match at a time. We're here in 2003, but, you know... We would be remiss if we did not start off talking about the current events in The Undertaker's career as we have done so many times. And yeah, I'm not looking forward to talking about the FBI on this episode, Travis, but uh, I've also got some other bad news that we got to talk about this super showdown pay-per-view from Saudi Arabia and another rare, iconic match, one we thought Mm -hmm. we'd never see between The Undertaker and Goldberg and... Man, I know we had kind of talked ourselves into it, Thought, looked on the bright side, thought this could have been a real fun showdown if they did things right and if they, they used some shortcuts and booked around it. But, man, I don't know about you. I don't know if this could have gone any worse, man, how it ended up with Goldberg and Undertaker, especially the last couple minutes of that match, man. What, what was your thoughts on the events that took place in Saudi Arabia? Well, it was fine. Up until Goldberg <clears throat> started pouring blood from his head, I knew at that point, dude, it's a hundred degrees out there. He just—I don't know if he concussed himself or how he popped his head open. If it was, is he already had a little red dot on it, like he always yeah. does when he bangs his head backstage. And last time he was a full-time roster member, he 
admitted that he banged his head too hard and he got concussed and couldn't remember his promo. So, you know, I don't know if that did it. And he, he it just caught up with him in the ring. But I was like, dude, he's losing blood. He's like 54 years old or something, 50-something years old. And it's 100 degrees. Like, I was just like, this is not going to go anywhere but down. And it did, you know. and um, Down on their heads. Down, yeah. There's no down on the upside here. It's just down on the downside. It was bad. Uh, I, I thought he was dead when Taker Pyle drove him, and he bounced off the mat like Owen Hart and Austin. And then I thought he, uh, Taker was dead when he got brain busted. The brain brain buster jackhammer, new move. So we talk about Taker busting out new moves. <laughs> Thirteen years in his career, still doing it, man. <laughs> Goldberg's busting out new move now. So no, in all seriousness, though. So, and then I was like. I mean, it really it caught me at first, like the spears and everything. I was like, oh, they're going to go another, like, Brock Lesnar route, and it's going to be kind of cool. But like I said, man, once he got busted open and lost a pint of blood, I was like, yeah, he's, 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 this is done. Yeah. And it looked like they cut the match short. So, Well, it, it looks like they had the match we had kind of talked about laid out. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah. basically what they did in there, which, had things gone according to plan, would have been fine. But... Yeah, dude. I, I Now, I will say I was watching it on my phone, so I didn't have it on the big screen. But as I was watching it on my phone, to me, it was crystal clear that Goldberg had a concussion, man. He just looked glassy-eyed. He was stumbling, pulling himself on the ropes. Looked to me like he was, you know, you know, trying to... He, he didn't know where he was, uh, from right. what I could tell. And again, you and I have never been in the ring. We weren't there. Like, this is just fan speculation, so I'm not trying to say, like, I had any idea what was going on. But, you know, with that blood pouring down and and with him out on his feet like that, I think if it had been any other two wrestlers in any other spot on the card, they would have stopped that match, like the referee would have. But I feel like, you know, Goldberg and Taker, those two guys probably weren't going to stand for that. And it was such a big match on such a big show that they were just like, trying to get out of it and trying to get yep, away with it exactly but it almost ended in disaster like injury wise for those guys oh, right. visually it was a disaster and you know it was it was rough to look at i know people will think that we're homers for undertaker yeah. but to me like that's like you what are you going to do when goldberg has a concussion like you you're not going to be able right. to get up for the jackhammer if he can't actually lift you up and I don't see that. I don't see that as Undertaker dropping Goldberg on his head. I see that as Goldberg not knowing where he is and not getting yeah. the place for that tombstone. And you know, maybe Undertaker has to do more to protect him on that. But to me, like a lot of people are hating on Undertaker, saying he's got to retire. He was not the problem with that no. match. And I'm not saying Goldberg was a problem, but. You know, if you get concussed, what are you gonna do, man? You, right. you don't need to be out there. You gotta exactly. You gotta call it call the finish. And I'm not sure. I, to me, it looked like almost Goldberg like kicked out at one point when he wasn't sh- supposed to. Like I, I don't know, man. It, it was just, it, it was not great, man. It was not great. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest thing we've ever seen. But I do have to give both those guys props. They're way too old to be out there doing that in 100 degree weather. There's no need for that. Um, they don't need the payday. I'm sure they appreciated it. They don't need that. But, um, you know what I'm saying? They, they tried to give that to us fans for a big dream match, you know. So kudos to them for trying. Uh, let's not try again, though. I don't want to see that. I, I, you don't want to see your heroes go down like that, you know. Yeah. Like, it yeah. sucks. Like, I was there when Goldberg beat Hogan, you know. That's who I want to remember. <laughs> I want to remember Goldberg beating Rock. I want to remember that. I don't want to remember Goldberg this way, you know. So, uh, anyway, I feel the enough. same way, man. I, you know, I, I'm almost 
I would almost be okay with both those guys doing at least one more thing. I don't think Undertaker's done. I think Goldberg no. might be done. But yeah. I'd almost be okay with him doing at least one more thing so that that's not the very last yes. thing he ever did in a ring. Like, protect him, do do a legit, like, old-school Nitro 90-second squash of yeah. Baron Corbin. Bill DeMott. Somebody, yeah. <laughs> Bring him out. Who cares? In his career the same way it started. Bring out Bill DeMott. I'm fine that. with that, man. Do it on Monday Night Raw. Like, like, whatever. Next time they come to Atlanta, let him come out and do that so that's not the last match on the record books for him. But as far as Taker goes, uh, somebody suggested this on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but like, put him in there with somebody younger. Like, stop right. doing this stuff with Triple H and Shawn Michaels. Like, get, put him in there with AJ Styles. Put him in there with Samoa Joe or Kevin Owens or something. Somebody that can mm-hmm. can do a little bit more and work around his limitations where he's not the guy having to, to carry somebody. And, you know... Some of these best, some of the best matches we've seen with Taker are with smaller guys. So oh, yeah. yeah, put him in there with somebody like that and see what happens. Give them the yep. rub. Exactly, that'd be fun. Him and Alistair Black would be great. Oh my so. god, that'd be awesome. Oh yeah, it'd be fantastic, fantastic. I'd love to see something like that, but who knows? Alistair Black's calling people out on the show, and so we'll see what happens. So. Learn the lessons of the greatness of Undertaker and Nunzio, as we're about to talk about <laughs> here and transition to. So. Enough of that new stuff. We'll cover that in depth one yeah. day, many, many months in the future. But until then, we're going to take our time traveling motorcycle all the way back to 2003, the SmackDown after WrestleMania, when we just picked up after another disaster with The Undertaker, uh, after he won a handicap match slash tag team match with Nathan Jones at WrestleMania 19 against the big show and the a train the show train the a train a show b show (laughs) whatever you want to call him here Mm. thankfully he's going to transition out of that into something here and we've got a lot of stuff to cover here a lot of ground to cover we're going to try to uh do it as you know we're going to hit the fun stuff maybe not go quite as in-depth on some of these earlier things before we get to the main feud but you know this this stuff with Undertaker and FBI. There are a few pretty memorable, pretty fun moments in here that we can talk about. Uh, although some of it does kind of blend together, so uh, we'll we'll hit the highlights here as we take you back to uh, this interesting moment in time of Taker's career. I'll say. Yeah, very interesting. We'll start off with SmackDown 189 on April 3rd, 03. This is um, Stephanie's going to tell us that we're going to get a three-week tournament determining the number one contender for Brock's WWE title at Backlash. So I guess they're trying to, um, you know, fire back because on Raw, Goldberg just made his debut. So, which is interesting considering we just talked about that. How about that timing? How about it? (laughs) So, yeah, Stephanie's telling us we're going to get a new challenger for Brock's title at Backlash. We've got a tournament. It's going to be Taker versus Ray, Cena versus Eddie. Uh, Sign me up for both of those. Benoit versus A-Train. Forget about it. And Rhino versus Big Show, which – they have had some good matches, actually, did, surprisingly, yeah. with a hardcore title and stuff. So, sure. anyway, we'll take her um, and Ray have a pretty fun babyface baby face match. You know, it's not one that I don't think people were um, – babyface matches are hard sometimes because you don't know who to cheer for, you know. So, But uh, it's really fun. Like you just mentioned him being up against small guys. Um, it was great, you know, because he always does well with them. And uh, you didn't know you wanted this match at the time, but it was really fun to watch. And he – Pretty easily beats Ray. Um, you know, there's no doubt about it who's going to win this match. But 
he does give a lot because um, Taker uh, takes a six one nine from him, takes a tornado, a tornado DDT from him, and uh, uh, the end comes and Ray goes for the West Coast pop, but Taker catches him and just hits him in a gigantic gargantuan last ride that puts him down for the win. So pretty cool. Yeah, and we'll talk about them having a much longer match a few years into the future here. So it's cool to see that. And yeah, like you said, man, you never would have thought these two would ever face off against each other back when Rey Mysterio was a cruiserweight champion uh, in in WCW. But yeah, what do you know, man? Right, exactly. So, and then after that, though, Taker does come back in and gives Ray the old Jeff Hardy uh, respect things, picks him up and shakes his hand, pats him on the back. So, continuing that whole respect thing, that's what it's all about, and we'll see that play into this buildup with John Cena. So, um, well, I just want to mention we're talking about the FBI. They have these skits backstage where they're stealing like TVs from freight trucks and doing all this stuff on the streets, quote unquote. So, um, anyway, just. That, that we're gonna we gotta talk about them just because we have to. So, um, backstage, Nunzio uh, tells the FBI to follow me as he's gonna go meet with Taker, and um, we see Taker getting coffee and he's rocking a baseball cap backwards. And who knew he got coffee? So uh, he's backstage. He's done getting that a few coffee. times. We've seen him drink drink his, <clears throat> drink his yeah, coffee. Yeah, yeah. Black. I'm sure we've seen his wife uh, get get coffee as That's well. That's true. And, and his brother that. Kane. And his brother, <laughs> yes. So coffee runs in the family but the fbi walk in and they undertake it how you doing and uh taker fires right back in a mocking new york accent it's like doing good how you doing doing good but we need to have a little sit down discuss a little problem that we're having you said right well by all means have a seat now none of you guys is wearing a wire right <laughs> and it made me just remember how like when Enzo and Cass were hot how great they were oh, how yeah. you doing how you doing <laughs> how you doing like it's awesome so if Taker would just said you swift that would be incredible anyway was like you know we gotta meet up with a little problem meet up with you about a little problem we're having and Taker tells him sit down and says you know none of you guys is wearing a wire are you he's <laughs> He's loving it, man. Oh, yeah. He's, He's just watched it. season two of Sopranos. Yeah. <laughs> He's digging it. Yeah, none of you guys wearing a wire. So uh, just great comedic subtlety here. I love it, man. So Nunzio's like, you know, this problem we're having is Nathan Jones, which I agree. You know, I can't help but agree with it. <laughs> and uh, talks about how they helped, they helped A-Show whack Jones at Mania because of what he did to Palumbo the week before, which we mentioned that was supposed to be Nathan Jones's first match. But he... I already took care of it. I, I already had my first match. So whatever it was, he says. But Taker's like, you know, Nathan's new around here, but everyone else has to be held accountable for their actions. He says, you know, we're not going to bury the hatchet because we got a problem here. You know, you took out Jones, who was supposed to be my partner at WrestleMania. He almost cost me the match. And Nunjo's like, we had no choice. And then, uh, he's, which is funny to see him try to stand up to Taker. But uh, Taker stands up from the table and he's like, um, Oh, excuse me. And then we hear a voice from our past, which I'd never wanted to hear again. And it says, is there a problem here, mate? <laughs> I just sounded like Rocco. <laughs> is there a problem here, mate? <laughs> oh, man. I'd rather watch uh, some Rocco's Modern Life than see Nathan Jones come out here. Absolutely. Man, what an underrated Nick tune that was. Oh, fantastic. <clears throat> so, yeah, old Nate Jones enters the scene here and 
then Joe's like, you know, there is a problem, but, you know, we're going to deal with it when the time is right. And um, he says, uh, we ain't hard to find, all right? So that's just uh, it is what it is. We're going to build toward that. And one thing I do want to mention, too, is that Cena is interviewed by the massive tool Josh Matthews, as we coined him last week. And um, he's, uh, Cena says he's know, he knows he's got Taker next week in the, in the tournament and uh, shoots a little rhyme on Taker about facing him and says that, Dead man make me famous? I'm going to undertake him. I ain't behind the eight ball, dude. I rack him and break him. I shock the world, I make the dead man fall. And leave him like a clear pool table with no balls. It took me a minute. I was like, what's a clear pool table have to do? And then I was like, oh, it means the top is clear. I was like, I'd like to see a clear pool table. A glass pool table. Yeah. That seems dangerous. <laughs> it seems terrible. Oh. Well, this uh, WWE number one contender tournament continues the next week on SmackDown. And we get our uh, first ever one-on-one match with Undertaker and John Cena on this episode of SmackDown. Pretty huge here in the second round of this tournament. But... Before that, I just got to mention this real quick. I know we're trying to blow through some of this stuff. but no, you're fine. This caught me way off guard. The opening of this episode of SmackDown, Brock Lesnar returns. Uh, he wasn't there last week because he, was, he yes. had a giant concussion from landing on his head at WrestleMania. But he's I just happened to catch this. He's walking through this crowd of extras in the back, and they're like clapping for him, saying, yeah, glad you're back here, Brock. And he's signing autographs for him. And this group of extras is pretty significant because – I caught my eye that there was Sean Devari out there, mm. uh, older brother. Who works there now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, of of D- the Arya Devari on uh, 205 Live and a former superstar himself. Uh, CM Punk, a uh, future Undertaker opponent out there. And Ken Kennedy is in this crowd of extras as well, another future wow. Undertaker po- opponent. And I really noticed him because he's standing in the background and he uses his... Uh, he uses his disposable camera to take a picture of Brock Lesnar as Brock is signing another extra's boobs as he walks into the yeah. arena, which was a highlight for me of this entire buildup. Great scene. <laughs> I, I saw that scene. I didn't notice him. I was distracted. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. <laughs> oh, man. Well, Undertaker, he's very offended by John Cena's comments from last week. He said they... He said that Cena disrespected him, and he tells Cena he's got more shower time than he's got ring time. So Cena's not the only one with one-liners out here, man. Uh, Yeah. But one guy who doesn't have enough shower time or ring time is Nathan Jones, making his (laughs) in-ring debut (laughs) finally tonight against none other than, we can't get away from him, Travis, Bill (laughs) DeMai keeps coming back. A little turd that won't flush down. Uh, The Nuggets. Thankfully, uh, you know, I wish he would have just beat him up before the match like he did to Chuck Palumbo, but at least he makes short work of him here, picking up his debut win. Uh, it was very quick and yet somehow still too long. But uh, anyway, Nathan Jones is going to be taken away by the cops here later in the night because the FBI are going to file a false police report against Nathan Jones saying that he stole their wallet this time based off of what happened at WrestleMania and Undertaker, the champion of justice, is going to come out and accuse the police of profiling just because Nathan Jones did time back in the day, man. This is this is unbelievable. Very, very prescient, very timely of the Undertaker here. But his <laughs> protests don't work, and Nathan Jones is taken away for questioning. Uh, unfortunately, mm-hmm. it was not forever. 
Exactly. Uh, and then we get that match, the main event of SmackDown here. John Cena, he's rocking this beautiful throwback Expos jersey and uh, defeats The Undertaker in a massive, massive upset, man. Uh, oh, yeah. Less than a year into the company and really just beginning this this mega push. He's getting slotted into this main event slot with Brock Lesnar sort of really out of nowhere. He wasn't even on WrestleMania, and now he's going to be right. main eventing the next pay-per-view against the WWE Champion. Uh, of course, it's not clean. The FBI come out and do some massive interference, beating down Undertaker. But still, dude, is is Cena getting the pinfall? And this is a rare example of WWE taking somebody who was red hot at the moment and, and pushing him right to the top. Yeah, actually going with it. So good for them. And uh, like you said, he uh, he does a good job here. And, you know, he didn't need to get a clean win. He needed a dirty win. He's a heel, so that's good. But. Um, a couple of things I want to mention too, just real quick, is that Taker's pants now say "Pain Syndicate" on them, in in silver, right around his uh, the little Big Evil sign. So, just a little, you know, as we we're covering all his dress code changes and stuff we're talking about over the years, he hadn't had too many of them recently. But well, that's it's a new one nickname that, that the announcers are dropping yeah. on him as well, the Pain Syndicate. <laughs> yeah. Not sure what that means, but that's like <laughs> sounds an cool. updated Ministry of Darkness or something. The Pain Syndicate. The pain Syndicate. <laughs> Sure. Or was it like the Pain Syndicate versus like the FBI? Like they got two little fa- feud- feuding factions or all something. Right, all right, all right. And then one more thing, man, and this was just f- humorous to me, is that Cena cuts his freestyle on the rap or whatever you're talking about, and he's like, so you were a dead man? Well, I'm a necrophiliac, which I just what? thought, that's a little too soon. His, his brother just got accused of that back in October. You know, that's just, that's too, he's too close to home. That's what battle yeah. rap's all about, man. You got to cut deep. Go to the personal stuff. <laughs> Yeah, well, that cut. Never mind. I'll stop that. No, <laughs> well, never mind. Yeah. Undertaker is in real life about to be cut deep because he's going to go yeah. out to nurse this elbow injury in real life, and the announcers actually bring it up that he's got an elbow injury that needs surgery, but he's putting it off because this WWE number one contender title tournament is so important that he wants to fight mm-hmm. in it. But the FBI are going to attack him and further injure that elbow. So that's going to explain riding Undertaker off TV here for the next few weeks. And, man, you know, they really did have to push somebody like John Cena up to the top because people were dropping like flies at this point. Undertaker's going to be out for a while. Angle's going to be out for a while. Mm -hmm. Austin's done. Rock is done. Dude, like, this was one of the biggest drop-offs in top talent that you'll ever see here right after WrestleMania. Oh, yeah, it really was, which we're kind of accustomed to nowadays. That's kind of how they do it. They bring everybody back for the beginning of the year, and they drop them for the rest of the next nine months. But uh, back then, it was not the case. And so, yeah, it really hurt them uh, on the talent level. So, yeah, they have, they're forced to create new stars, which, thank God they did, because we got some really good ones here. So, um, But, yeah, <clears throat> just want to touch briefly about that SmackDown 191 on April 17th, 03. We, you know, like you said, they mentioned about his elbow surgery. And then we see um, – we see Nathan Jones get taken out by uh, the the uh, FBI. They actually crush his ankle in the stairs. And, yeah! Um, yeah, yeah. I just wrote my notes that they're my favorite team at the moment at that point. So, Celebrate yeah, good time. Come on! Pass on! Oh, so, yeah, exactly. Oh, man. So... Yeah, and their taker's not there, but Cena does lose to Brock at Backlash, so his stock is rising. He's looking good, even in a loss there. You know, he's he's not going to beat Brock here, but just the fact that he's even, you know, oh, yeah. 
in the match with him. And then also to continue the story, the FBI continue to quote unquote whack people over the course of the next few weeks. We get these recap videos of them whacking people like uh, Benoit, Rhino, Brock, all these Rikishi, I think. They start whacking them. And uh, it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> And, yeah, um, that's just what they call it. So they're doing this whole Sopranos gimmick, and of yeah. course, that was the biggest show on TV back in these yeah. times. Which is it, like it's it's so funny, man. They, they they were pushing FBI huge. They were all yeah, over the shows. <laughs> but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm not. You know, I like ECW, but I'm not. I, I definitely am not a huge aficionado of everything ECW. But wasn't the FBI's whole gimmick in ECW that? most of them weren't italian that that like that was the joke they were the full-blooded italians and then you had tracy smothers in there and, and guys <laughs> yeah. like that like there was they were Big like Sal. a joke gimmick but yeah. here they're they completely changed they're real italians and to me to me man they just never click for me here as as a faction like they are just honestly they bored the crap out of me in some of this stuff there's a couple funny moments but and and I like Nunzio, I like Chuck Palumbo, I could care yeah. less about Johnny the Bull, but uh, I liked him in just... WCW, man, when he was part of the Natural Born Thrillers. I really, right. I really dug him back then. But I when guess he's here when he's got his little Stephen Jenkins third eye line like uh, beard, and he's just so stupid. I just didn't like him here. Nah, so. it just didn't do it for me, man. And like SmackDown, it's just full of some really boring characters, in my opinion, during this time. Like the Basham brothers, and I can't stand them. I, oh my god, it's so <laughs> bad. Shaquina or Shaniqua. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna get to another guy making his debut here that bored me in tears, but yeah, that yeah, just didn't oh, do it man. for me. Yeah, it, yeah, that was the FBI's gimmick in ECW. They were like not Italian, so it was kind of funny, and you know ribbon on the square as they say it was kind of funny like i think mabel was part of them for a minute and, and really? if i remember correctly i, I know, big, know Vito, big Vito. big i think mabel had a little brief stint in there with him just kind of like you know those people come in the ecw for like two weeks and then leave uh i remember trinity got her start there too uh yeah. her and tna yeah she was there unforgettable um, yeah anyway <laughs> forget about it yeah tracy smothers though when he's in the full butt dying you know something's i'm goofy there but um anyway so well, they actually teamed with Cena at Judgment Day and beat Benoit Rhino and Spanky, who's getting a push as well. So that's got to be him. one of the most random matches. If you look at old pay per views, yeah. to see that match <laughs> on a pay per view, you're like, what the? <laughs> yeah. Well, How did again, that this happen? Is, yeah, I know. And this is all occurred when Taker's gone. And uh, one thing I want to mention, it's not in our notes, but I want to mention this is personal for you and I is that this something happened during this month when Taker was gone. And, um, we actually made a wrestling video, our first official wrestling video that we made. So I think it was during the month of May. It was right at the end of school, wasn't it? So we had this extra credit project to do for physics class, and, well, take it away. We, I mean, did. We did, man. We made our in-ring backyard wrestling debut. Uh, video far, debut. Yeah, as far as tape trading and all that stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, it's called Let's Get Physical. Uh, for fit, we had to do the physics of blank. That was the project. So we're supposed to pick real life things. You did guitar playing, didn't you? I did. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So you looked it took me about two minutes in class. <laughs> physics. You of and guitar I made a fifty-minute video. <laughs> well, that was kind of my gimmick. I made videos uh, for yeah. projects whenever possible in high school. And Absolutely. man, if YouTube was around two thousand three, oh, I think dude. we would have been famous. Man, yeah. Not, not to pat ourselves on the back, but. 
we'll put ourselves over here. <laughs> we showed that video in every class we had in school. We did. It was a big hit. And, and even other classes would come borrow it from us just to watch it. <laughs> we had about five minutes great. of talking about physics in that video, and then we just had a 40-minute wrestling <laughs> match. Uh, I was dressed up as Hulk Hogan. You were an original character named Sick Freak. And, I'm so sick. Uh, man, I, I went over on you, man. I hit the flying elbow off the ladder uh, to win the match. and. Boy, uh, we gotta get that up on YouTube at some point, man. We gotta—I I gotta figure out a way. To, we got the DVDs of it. I gotta figure out yep. how to rip it off there and get it on YouTube one day. We'll have to put the whole saga because it's not just one match, ladies and gentlemen. There's a whole collection. It's all storytelling. We tell stories in our matches, man. Anyway, it went on for eleven years, I believe. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think so. Hey, I mean, if Undertaker and Goldberg can bust it out when you they're know? fifty, I don't know why we can't. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> The Saudis gave me a hundred bucks. I'd go do it. <laughs> yeah, without question, without a question. So, anyway, I just want to mention that there because it's a uh, you know it's wrestling adjacent. So. Yeah, an important part of our history as well. For sure, for sure. So, well, yeah, uh, you know, not quite an important part of history here as we as we talk about Undertaker coming back. Uh, he makes his return on May twenty second, two thousand three. SmackDown episode one ninety six. And believe this is the debut of a new SmackDown theme song. Dude. So we've kind of talked about these evolutions on here. Yeah, it's uh, not a memorable one by far. We're losing the Beautiful People song. And this one is, uh, you know, it's my life, my time, my words, my rhyme, whatever. Like, oh, <laughs> that man. may not have even it, rang a bell for you. Okay, and it didn't when I was watching. I was like, where did this song come from? <laughs> now, then I had to remember it. I, I struck some of this bad stuff out of my brain. But, um, again, if you're flipping channels and, you and you're flipping through and you just see guys and gals standing in a warehouse with a camera circling, you're not going to expect a bunch of action on the show. Remember the opening to Raw used to be like, in-ring action, hard-hitting, lots of cuts. Nitro was that way. Like, that grabs your attention, man. This is just a camera circling Rey Mysterio, Undertaker, Kurt Angle in a warehouse. I'm like, how stupid can you be to try to draw in viewers? Like, this is awful from production value. Sorry, I, I hated it, apparently. Fair <laughs> enough, man. Let it out, dude. Let it oh, out. Oh, I hated it. <laughs> there are so many SmackDown theme songs. Like, there's only... They, they changed their theme song way more than Rock ever has. Yeah. So we'll talk about those as we go along, this yeah. evolution. But this episode has the FBI again running rampant. They're trying to take out Brock Lesnar again here tonight. And, you know, they get backstage vignettes all throughout the show doing their New York Italian Goomba slang out here. And, uh, you know, they're having a good time with it, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. Chuck Plumbo's having time of his life, man. He is loving it. And I'm loving him. Wait, awesome. You think he enjoyed this more than playing Billy Gunn's boyfriend? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He did. <laughs> Uh, well brock lesnar is going to take on the uh johnny stamboli the main event anywhere around the country here on this episode of smackdown and of course the fbi is gonna run rampant on here and what does michael cole say about them no here comes the cavalry no no that's not how you say it michael cole come on here comes the cavalry here comes the cavalry. whatever he says he says it wrong yeah he says it wrong yeah. Well, Lesnar is going to go for the F- F5, but the FBI... Oh, yeah, he says in. Calvary. I wrote Calvary in my notes because I can't possibly mispronounce it. I'm yeah. sure it auto-corrected yeah. it for you. He said, yeah, it probably did. He's right. Here comes the Calvary. Yeah. So, well, sorry. 
the FBI is trying to whack Brock Lesnar, and of course only Sable gets to do that. But uh, huh? so <laughs> uh, she's around during this time as well. Oh my word! <laughs> anyway, the FBI realizes that they've gone and done it now. They've made a big mistake because the Undertaker <laughs> comes. Riding out, he hits the ring all of a sudden and just lays a massive beat down on these Italians. He tosses Nunzio out of the ring like he's tossing a pizza dough up in the air, just <laughs> flings him up in the air. <laughs> like there's a fire sale at the local chopper shop, man. He's yes. running out there taking care of business. And it's just crazy to see Undertaker saving Brock Lesnar, considering all of their history yeah. together, man. And here they are standing tall with each other side by side. Yeah, it's awesome. And you know what? It made me want nowadays in 2019 is that. I'm here I for I keep it, talking man. on this podcast about singles megastars t- tag team together. They're both part-timers. Why don't you just put the belts on Brock and Taker? It's a dream match Have right there. Have wrestle once a month at a pay-per-view, and they can defend against who – like, golly, dude, that would be insane. <laughs> Taker and Brock tag team right in 2019 – they could both go halvesies on the work rate. Like, it doesn't matter, you know? That's, I'm here that's for it, dude. Brilliant. But, yeah, like, you know, seeing them side by side here in 2003 uh, is kind of surreal based on the bloody, you know, battles they had. So, oh, yeah. pretty cool. 100%, man. And <clears throat> it's going to lead to three weeks of SmackDown. Like, we can honestly, like, we can cram all these together probably because it's just going to be Undertaker – one by one, rolling through the FBI, <laughs> step by yeah. step by step. <laughs> yeah, so SmackDown 197, May 29th. Uh, Ultimate Dragon's coming soon, which you and I are both excited about that, but we got a little vignette there. But yeah, main event. That's another one be, didn't quite work out. <laughs> yeah, it didn't pan out like it should have. But it's supposed to be Brock and Taker versus the FBI on a three-on-two handicap match, but uh, Nunzio's uh, hurt because of his pizza dough tossing last week, and so he's got the world's biggest Italian Apparently, world's largest Italian, not sub, but uh, in the big show, he's going to come out. And uh, anyway, so there's. So that's more like the old FBI. You know, they got big show, yeah, yeah, exactly. their Italian partner. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, in it's it's honestly pretty fun match. Yes, I actually yeah. kind of had fun watching it. Um, it, it. You know, the numbers game get the best of the faces here, and uh, match ends. When uh, let's see, Big Show choke slams Brock and actually pins the WWE champion. So, uh, has Brock ever lost other, on TV other than that screw job with Angle and and Eric Angle? You know, we obviously haven't been covering him quite as right. in depth here, but if it's not the first time, it is one of you know yeah. a handful of times. So yeah, absolutely, very. Rare He's gonna sight. start losing a lot more here. Yeah, it's it's weird, man. So, but um, you know, it's is what it is. So yeah, that's. That happens there. Taker gets his tag team specialist uh, roll back, so which is yes. <laughs> pretty good. And uh, as you mentioned, your notes this is episode with Mister America lie detector, which we can just skip over. <laughs> it's so bad. Oh, I did it's not. So... I, I made sure to rewatch. Are you serious? <laughs> no way. I was watching that crap. <laughs> oh, man. oh man, it's bad. And there's so much Vince McMahon and Zach Gowan and Hulk Hogan Dude. and Roddy Piper on these episodes oh. of SmackDown. But I love that segment. <laughs> It's so Roddy Piper's there for a minute, and then he gets fired. So, and so then he just Hulk gets Hogan. dropped. Yeah. Or he Hogan quits or whatever. Yeah. I don't know, man. Oh, it's man. a mess. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got ahead of myself. These are the next three weeks where we get Undertaker running through. <laughs> you got enough to drink? <laughs> yeah, sorry. 
I was just uh, showing how much it sucks. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit of sound effects. Undertaker running through the FBI here. He's got Chuck Palumbo <laughs> the first week. And, dude, speaking of suck, I cannot put over how awful the FBI's theme song is, man. That's part of the reason why I can't take them serious because they got this. They should have, like, this old Italian, like, Godfather you know, whatever yeah. that instrument would be. It was like a mandolin or whatever. Yeah. Italian music, uh, I like guess. Like Enzo and Cass's music started Yeah, off yeah. But instead, they got this, like, house music, like, <laughs> like <laughs> dance music. Like, like Guido I can't music. take it seriously, man. Jersey Shore <laughs> music. Yeah. Like, that Gabsy. is... It's no... <laughs> No intimidation factor with these no. guys, man. But uh, exactly, I will put over one thing because I'm a Chuck Palumbo mark, the last one standing. But I oh, love, you, buddy. I love that he, he wrestles Undertaker with his cigar in his mouth. Still, <laughs> <laughs> he's taking it a step further than Undertaker having dip in his mouth. He yep. fights him for the first couple minutes <laughs> with his cigar still in his mouth. Uh, but, it's uh, like a. It's like Jericho used to wrestle with like his belt on and stuff. <laughs> but, you know, of course, tobacco is wacko if you're a team. Let's not no, forget absolutely. that. Uh, of course, Undertaker picks up the win here. And like I say, he's going to roll through these guys. And uh, the FBI try to attack him, but Undertaker puts them in their place. And, man, I, I, like I said, man, I'm going to die on this Chuck Palumbo Hill. He's another guy like Sean O'Hare, I think. Had he come up through WWE developmental... He could have been a star, man, but he just had oh, that yeah. stubby stink on him, man. They never really gave him the right chance, but he he tried his best in every role he was in, and you know, he was a great oh, tag yeah. team wrestler. I think he could have think he could have done good on singles too, in my opinion. Sure. But we'll never. Well, know. he's going to be inspired by Taker and take up a biker role. And he will, man. <laughs> and speaking of something else, I had some stink on it. I noticed too, and when Taker's sitting in the chair at the end of the show. Or into this particular scene, there's like toilet paper hanging out of his pants or something. I don't something, know what dude. that was, man. Dude, go back and I don't know if it's like he has his knee taped up or something. I think it and was it just taped. falls out, but it was kind of funny to look at yeah. to see him have something hanging out of his pants like that. But anyway, well, that takes us to SmackDown 199. So on June 12th, and this is uh, just again a little mention something here is that the state of the WWE address here. Stephanie's bringing back the U.S. title to SmackDown. So ah, okay, good. They got in, they you know the. Uh, the uh, Cannibal title, or whatever I called it a couple weeks ago. Pac-Man absorbs, title. Pac-Man title, yeah. Not Pac-Man Jones, but the Pac-Man title absorbs all the titles on Raw, but on SmackDown we're getting a new one, so there you go. Um, they're going to have another tournament to crown the first champion there, so they were all about some tournaments back Yes, then. they were. But you know what? I love tournaments. I love how it it it, it tells the story over a couple weeks. You don't have to just say, oh, we're going to have a fatal five-way match and figure out who's going to be a champion. Like, you can play it out between one pay-per-view and another. It's it right. writes itself. It's so easy. Nowadays, they just have fatal six ways or eight ways. And they're like, oh, here's a champion or here's a contender. And then for the next four weeks, you get the different al- like amalgamations of that match together. So it's terrible. Or someone just loses for six weeks in a row and then comes back and says, I'm the num- number one contender. Like, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, in uh, strike two of taking down the FBI, he's taking down the F, got the F out, going to get the B out now. Here we're going to get Taker and Johnny the Bull Stamboli. Lots of FBI interference. Taker wins with the last ride. Enough said. So that's about it. Yep. So, Keep this train um, moving. Yeah, he, he dumps backwards over the top rope and goes after Nunzio and um, sets up for a last ride. But on Palumbo, they kind of get their, you know, throw fisticuffs here and Nunzio hits Taker in the head with a huge chair shot and um, 
lays them out. And uh, this is that SmackDown. Those of you who remember, if you've forgotten the FBI, you will remember that this is the superplex where Lesnar and Big Show where they explode the ring. So um, really awesome great visual, moment. Yeah. awesome moment. Uh, they've done it what twice since then. They did it with Braun and Big Show last year, and did it with Mark Henry and Big Show, I believe. Yep. In like 2011, maybe when he was doing the Hall of Pain thing. So really cool. Whole place is rocking, man. They are on. I mean, they, this crowd cannot believe that. It was awesome, but uh, definitely juxtapose that with um, the FBI. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Well, before we get to the next SmackDown, the uh, the peak of this feud as the under, the climax as Undertaker takes on Nunzio, unbelievably, I uh, just want to mention that over on Raw, of course, this yeah. is the very beginning of the brand split exclusive yep. pay-per-views. So the brand split's been going on for a year now, and they're finally branching off into their own pay-per-views. Raw has the first one with Bad Blood, and... Dude, that explains all this, man. <laughs> that explains why Undertaker's just spinning his wheels with the FBI yes. here. Because now we've got like three months in between shows. So it's like, well, we got to have something to do with him. Let's just feed him the FBI every week uh, before we get to the real <laughs> yeah. feud. Exactly. Oh, and for those of you at home who think that JR's greatest call is... Stone Cold, Stone Cold, or if it's, by God, he's broken in half. I challenge you to go back to the Raw before Bad Blood, and as the night is closing, you just listen to that JR call. Uh, I will not spoil it here for you, but you and I rewound it 600 million times, laughed our heads off. It is probably one of my favorite JR calls of all time. It's the best. So. Or maybe just stay tuned to the end of the episode. Maybe we'll or that, yeah. <laughs> you never know. But uh, anyway, Undertaker, like I said, he's going to roll through Nunzio here in another match you never thought you'd see. <laughs> Dude, I, I don't know if this is true or not, but I think Nunzio, he may be the smallest person Undertaker yeah. has ever wrestled. Dude. I think so. He's like 125 pounds, yeah. like five foot three, out here. And it's... You know, for what it is, it's pretty fun here. Nunzio is just being a goof, and he's just so into this character. Undertaker is just staring bullets through him out here. Uh, the FBI try to interfere, but Nunzio never stands a chance. Uh, and we do get maybe the best last ride ever. Yeah. I got to give Nunzio that as he goes straight up as Undertaker gives him a giant wedgie and Undertaker carries him around holding him up for a few seconds as Nunzio does the signs of the cross <laughs> praying. Mm -hmm. He's just selling yeah, it perfectly. Fantastic. fantastic. Uh, Undertaker finally murders these guys but the FBI they can't get enough as they for the fifth week in a row go in here and attack Undertaker <laughs> after the match as Taz notes that this is just deja vu. It's the same thing yeah. every week. I, I never thought I'd say this, but thank God for Bradshaw as him and Farouk make a oh, return man. to SmackDown, uh, complete with a makeover for Bradshaw. He's got blonde yeah. hair. I thought he looked so stupid at this point in time. Uh, he's JBL look, but still doing the Bradshaw character. And they send the FBI running and reunite with their former cult leader. <laughs> yeah, they've uh, definitely a midlife crisis cult now at this point because I think Taker and, <laughs> Taker and Bradshaw are like sharing the same bottle of sun in their peroxide because they both have like blonde hair. Like, 
Taker's hair is very, very light. I don't know if it's because it's summertime he's laying out in the sun or what, but both their hair is like blonde and uh, yeah, middle aged ministry. So the paint <laughs> syndicate, <if you laughs> middle aged ministry. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. Uh, the joint pain uh, syndicate. <laughs> so that's what they should have been called. So <laughs> no, middle aged ministry. That's it. Man. That's a shirt right there. <laughs> We're both about to join that one. <laughs> Oh, oh man, I can't top that, but uh, I do have to mention another hidden gem on this episode, SmackDown. Certainly. Because I, I thought I transferred over to an episode of Thunder here on the network. <laughs> yeah. Because there's an honest-to-God match between Rey Mysterio and Canyon on this episode of SmackDown. Who better? I did not even remember him being around after his Boy George impression, but he, him, for a five-minute squash match on SmackDown, that's completely meaningless. This match is freaking awesome, and I oh, recommend yeah. if you don't appreciate Canyon, please go watch this match because he is—he's being the innovator of offense out here. Rey yeah. Mysterio gives him a ton. I don't know how he didn't get a bigger job or a, um, you know more of a push after this. They just again, this just goes to show you that the WWE stink was just cursed so many guys because mm-hmm. he looked awesome in this match and he makes Mysterio look awesome in this match. I don't know why they had Mysterio facing him and not yeah, a cruiserweight, yeah. but it was great. Man, I freaking loved it. And it made me so excited and it also made me really sad uh, that yeah. Kane is no longer with us. But it was nice to see him uh, shine in a match that I completely forgot about. Oh, yeah. If he was still alive, he'd probably be an NXT coach at this point, man. Absolutely. Yeah, guys like Norman Smiley down there and stuff, he'd be – he's he's phenomenal. He would have been a perfect but, fit, man. <clears throat> well, moving on up to uh, SmackDown <laughs> 201. Yeah, SmackDown 201. This is on June 26, 2003. This is where our feud actually starts with John Cena. So um, Cena opens the show with a promo talking about how it's been a year since his big debut and – uh, he says, you know, I've become a legend in just a year. You know, he keeps saying that word legend and legend and veteran. And so he says, you know, I'm going to main event WrestleMania 20. Um, he says he's going to issue an open challenge to some young, young, young gun who wants to come out. And unfortunately for us at home, Orlando Jordan answers uh, to make his SmackDown debut. <laughs> Pretty much. Dude, I, I saw nothing in this guy from this day forward nothing not one thing that i ever see it, it entertainment wise or like value wise to the company in this guy he's one of those guys you watch and it's like who on earth saw anything what yeah. what, what were they thinking yeah. man this dude wouldn't make it an nxt now oh my god not a chance not a chance no he's awful <laughs> Uh, but he'll go on to feud with Taker, I think, when he's in J- JBL's cabinet, isn't he? he, gonna, he wins yeah. the U.S. title from Benoit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he has a match on WrestleMania with Benoit, I think, doesn't he? No, in like no, no, 05? no, no, no. Uh, SummerSlam, I think. Okay, <laughs> SummerSlam. He beat him okay. in like forty-three seconds. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, Cena beats him here, uh, holding the tights. He, you know, has to cheat to win, and after the match, he gets a fu on him just to get one in, and then suddenly. We hear uh, Taker's music hit, and he rides out, and he goes to get in the ring, and Cena bolts out of there, and Taker is looking at uh, Orlando Jordan and picks him up, and 
does the old respect thing and pats him on the stomach and says good job. So um, you <laughs> it's know. a very mild show of respect. Oh to yeah, OJ. yeah. It's not the moment he gave to Cena or even no. Rey Mysterio a few weeks ago. He just gives him a light tap, like, okay, bud. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Nice try, pal. Well, it's not. Yeah, it's not the backstage vignette like Cena had last year. You're right. So, well, then Taker and the APA team up with the, as the Middle East Ministry and they take on the FBI. <laughs> Uh, hard-hitting offense from the faces here. And I love that Brad so much. Clothesline from hell on Stamboli, and that puts him away. So the FBI has not won a match in, like, six, <laughs> since the, since the um, pay-per-view, since nope. Judgment Day. Nope. Yeah. They teamed with Cena to beat Spanky, Rhino, and Benoit. That's it. Yeah. Uh, Taker didn't give them anything. <laughs> no. How you can build up a heel faction and uh, they never win, so. No, uh, again, I'm fine with it though, and that's why that's why I never got couldn't get to, couldn't, couldn't take these guys seriously, you know. Python. Exactly, but, exactly, uh, bro. Undertaker, you know, he's gonna continue on this mentorship role with uh, Orlando Jordan here on SmackDown, July third, two thousand three, episode two thousand two. Orlando Jordan, he's warming up backstage and. I believe Orlando Jordan, I believe he's a Golden Gloves boxer. I believe they've mentioned this in the past, and that's his history. So Cool. Of course, Undertaker comes by and gives the Golden Glove boxer some boxing tips. <laughs> Tell him that he's holding his right hand too low. He'll get caught in the chin like that. So. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Taker. <laughs> you should give Baron Corbin some tips, too. He's a Golden Gloves champion. Oh, I thought you meant because he's a, a TJ Fridays server. Yes, <laughs> Some tips. <laughs> anyway, Undertaker's telling him, you know, you got to pay your dues around here. Uh, I was willing to come out and help you last week because that's not cool. Someone attacks you after the match, but you got to pay your dues. You got to earn your respect in the ring right there. And if you don't get respect, you're not going to go anywhere in the WWE. So Undertaker does not sing Aretha Franklin like he did uh, mm-hmm. previously on our show, but he does get interrupted by the rapper, John Cena. He comes out speaking gibberish or Yiddish. I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> Whatever you yeah, did. It's the... okay. I'm on fire. I'm on fire. It's okay. I'm untouchable. <laughs> <laughs> I needed my subtitles on, man. I couldn't understand it. <laughs> but he's like, yo, man, me and you, we had a moment like that, that back in the day, dude. And... But he reminds Taker that he's a veteran now. He's been around yeah. for a year. So he gives Taker some advice to stay out of his business and walks away. And Cena looks like an absolute goof here, man, but he's supposed to. He's got his like safety goggles on and his headband. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but he's supposed to. Uh, and Taker just shakes his head at him and says, Everybody got to learn the hard way. <laughs> And Cena is going to try to learn the hard way up against Billy Gunn here in this U.S. title tournament. And unbelievably, man, if you can believe this, in 2003, Billy Gunn defeats John Cena here. (laughs) Again, not without a little help here from Undertaker because Cena is going to try to use his chain that he wears down to the ring to cheat on Billy Gunn. But he, much like the FBI, he realizes he's done it now. He's gone and made a big mistake because Undertaker rides out and circles the ring. The steps have magically moved somehow (laughs) during this match. (laughs) And he distracts Undertaker and Billy Gunn sneaks up on John Cena from behind, as Billy Gunn likes to do, and gets a small package to defeat Mm. him. (laughs) You know, because he's a... 
He's the Batman. Batman. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Cena exactly. and Undertaker, of course, stare each other down. Uh, as we get to hear Billy Gunn's wonderful music playing in the background uh, to sell mm. this match. I wish we heard Don't Look Back in Anger. That's what Cena should have known. <laughs> oh, man. Dude, but I didn't notice that the crowd's chanting Let's Go Cena during part of it, you know? And it's not followed up by the Cena Sucks chants. That would come about three years later. But, you know, he was getting some babyface pops here because he's just so freaking entertaining. Once a heel becomes entertaining, it's hard to be a heel still, you know? Look at the NWO. It's a perfect example. Yeah, you know? pay attention these next three weeks because the fans were loving John Cena and the WWE was in love with John Cena at this time. <laughs> Watch what he does as he rises through the ranks these next three weeks. They just want to have him on TV all over the place, man. They loved him. Yep, they absolutely did. So on SmackDown 203 on <clears throat> July 10th here, we get um, promo time with Kurt Angle because uh, he's out there and he's talking about getting this championship match at uh, the pay-per-view. And Cena interrupts him for absolutely no reason, basically, <laughs> and uh, says that the real main event of Vengeance won't be that WWE title match. It'll be Undertaker versus Cena. He says, everybody's talking about that. That's that's the real main event. And so then Kurt Angle takes, snatches his hat off, snatches Cena's hat off, puts it on, and does his own little white boy freestyle rap, and it is just so bad it's good. It's, it's just, it t- <laughs> Kurt is amazing. He is so funny and so off-key and oh, so off-beat. he's completely it's behind so the beat. Funny. It's, it's yeah. so terrible, but it's it's supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And, and he sells and, it so well, and it's, yeah. And the beat is being provided by uh, Brian Hebner. For those of you who don't remember, he had a little stint as the beatbox champion there. So. And he was amazing. Yeah, he was good, so... <laughs> Yeah, well, no, that's it. No taker sighting this night. He's off the show. He must have had that uh, veteran. Stay. He's like, I'll show you soon. You think you're a vet? I get two every other Tuesday. Off. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Only work twice a month. So. Hey, man, middle-aged ministry. Exactly. <laughs> Senior benefits here. But yeah. uh, Cena, That is he... not a Sunday school class at church. <laughs> middle-aged ministry. <laughs> See, Undertaker can teach that at his church down in Texas, you know? Well, uh, yeah, exactly. Well, on the next episode of SmackDown, again, Cena's going to continue his rise up the company here. Episode 204, July 17th, 2003. We get a recorded promo from Cena. Very, very memorable here. Very intense promo as Undertaker's, excuse me, as Cena is in a graveyard, much as we've seen Undertaker are used to see back in the day. He's playing on that dead man gimmick and it's it's a great change of pace to build up yeah. this match Cena's doing his rap I heard rumors about you dog you used to hit on men often a two way Paul Barry said you shared the same coffin he was never dead man the whole time you was faking and you beating John Cena you gravely mistaken see you old news dog Fans won't even miss you. You ain't a dead man. You just a dead issue. And if vengeance, I'm gonna prove the big dog is all bark. I'm gonna claim my territory. Right on the mark. He gets in some great lines and then literally pisses on Undertaker's grave. (laughs) A little bit on the nose. But oh, you know Vince is like <laughs> that's good crap, pal. <laughs> Such good crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh. But uh, and like I said, man, 
John Cena is so intense. That's the best word I can sure. bring for this. Because really, this gimmick should not work. Like, in a lot of other people's hands, he would just be too cool. Like, he's mm-hmm. just a white boy rapper doing, you know, uh, mixed with the genius, just doing poetry <laughs> out there. <laughs> but somehow, he is so brings such passion and and fire to these promos. Literally, people need to go back and watch these and see the intensity yeah. that he brings to this stuff. Um, and my only complaint to it is the other thing that I noticed watching that is that he has so much just gay bashing and homophobic mm-hmm. stuff in these promos that would not fly in 2019. But I will say, you know, if you think about hip hop and rap back in those days, like that was pretty common. Back sure. then, so it was not unusual, but it makes right, you yeah. makes you wince a little bit because it's in literally every promo Cena does something oh, yeah. like that. He talks in this one, I think, about uh, Taker and Paul Bearer getting it on inside mm-hmm. casket, and it's just <laughs> it's a little yeah. uncomfortable, man. I can't help but notice it here as we watch it back. Right, it is. It is definitely a different time in a different place. But like you said, it wasn't like it was just them. It was all. No, it was not unusual. That genre. Because, yeah, half of uh, Eminem stuff was that oh, kind of stuff, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah. Well, another thing that was like that was Vince's promos about <laughs> Zach Gowan. Holy <laughs> cow. You cannot make fun of a handicapped person like that. And this, this stuff would not fly nowadays, man. Back then it was called getting heat. Now it's offending somebody, you know what I'm saying? So. Uh, yeah, yeah. And Zach Gowan. I mean, God bless him. He did not kind of. He did not quite bring the intensity. <laughs> the no, of a John Cena. No. This he was is cool the in the ring. It was cool to see him. Yeah, this is the second one-legged wrestler hired by John Laurinaitis. By the <laughs> way, right. he hired the wrong one first. Those of you who don't know that story. And we bring that up because, like I said, WWE is clearly high on Cena because they interject him into Vince McMahon's promo for no real reason. He mm-hmm. just comes out and starts rapping on Vince McMahon. And they use this as an opportunity to have Undertaker interrupt John Cena and start to ride his bike all around the ring. Apparently, Undertaker just sits on his bike backstage (laughs) at the gorilla (laughs) position, just ready to ride out whenever he gets involved. (laughs) He's not running out. He's riding his bike out. (laughs) And as we've seen, he just likes to ride around backstage. Extremely dangerous. But John Cena... I gotta give him credit, more credit here. He does the most brilliant thing ever. He has figured out Undertaker, because as Undertaker is circling him around the ring, John Cena picks up the ring stairs and throws them in Undertaker's path, yeah. and Undertaker is helpless with the <laughs> stairs. He can't get around him. He can't get to him. Man. It's the most ingenious thing I've ever seen. It is. It's fantastic. You know, fantastic. Why well, has no one else ever thought of that? No, last three years. He's been no watching of that. watching the show. He's been paying attention. <laughs> that gives him yeah. a chance to run away and live to fight Taker another day. Absolutely. <clears throat> well, that's going to take us to the go home show here for Vengeance. This is uh, SmackDown 205 on July 24th, 2003. Stephanie, excuse me, <laughs> man, <laughs> had a little sniffle in there. She opens the show with a promo that's interrupted by Cena again because it's just time to. I put Cena on the show, I guess. So he gives an absolutely, without question, non-PG promo about a dream he had involving Sable and Stephanie McMahon. And uh, <laughs> I will not touch it, but uh, he uh, oh, ends he it. He will. He will. Yeah, he will. 
he uh it's basically about how much he wants to touch her and sleep with her and stuff which is weird and uh it ends with him saying he wants to smack her on the butt and she leans over and lets him do it yeah so, yeah it was weird <laughs> like what i thought it was weird back then i thought it was weird now yeah I- do you think she wrote this, or you think her dad wrote this? Because either um, way, it's weird that this yeah, is on TV. I think Cena just came up with it backstage. Like, Let me do this, and they're like, yeah, sure. But you uh, know what? What, what do you think Triple H said about it? Uh, he was on Raw. He wouldn't pay attention. So. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't work or watch Tuesdays. Yeah, exactly. Um, but you know what? During all this interaction, all this stuff Cena's saying, he's getting so many cheers, and he's smacking cute old Stephanie's butt. And like, how is he supposed to be a heel here? Like, it's very hard for him. You know, seriously. <laughs> it wasn't the only thing. Oh, my word. Well, we're going to give another vignette, and he's going to be holding something hard here. It's a torch. And he says that, uh, you know, Taker is scared to pass this torch to him. You know, and he's ragging on the ministry, Lord of Darkness, satanic era of Undertaker in this promo. He's actually standing inside of a pentagram, like an on-fire pentagram on the ground. And uh, one great thing, and he's been paying attention. You say he's been watching tapes. He's in paying attention. He brings something that's a throwback to their talking taker here. Talking hellfire, telling people you devil. He's a flame of punk, and you're not on my level. You can't sacrifice me. My name ain't Midian. I go Waco on your ass like a bridge to Midian. Oh, I loved it, dude. Just as much as Midian's been a huge part of this show, we haven't seen him or heard from him in a while. And John Cena, thank you so much for bringing him back up here. Keeps so, popping up, man. We can't escape me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so great callback, you know, great throwback. You know, John Cena is the throwback guy. So there he is. And, um, yeah, he's in that graveyard holding that torch and saying that. And there's no taker sighting for the entire rest of the show. Very peculiar. But, again, he only works twice a month, apparently, ladies and gentlemen. So <clears throat> that's it. That's Dude, the go-home show. Cena was definitely – like he's getting lots of cheers and, and the smart marks – loved cena during this time us included he was saying stuff in these promos that a lot of us felt about undertaker not passing the torch during that time sure undertaker's supposed to be the baby face here but as we'll see on the pay-per-view man this crowd is split the people Mm -hmm. like us loved cena couldn't get enough of him he does the gimmick where every one of his promos ends with a cuss word and he just lifts the mic up and lets the yeah. fans say it, you know, like DX back in the day yeah, uh, doing the suck it thing. And uh, just as we're talking about it, I'm reminded of Elias nowadays. Like, sure. maybe not so much now, but a few months ago where they felt like they had to, he was so hot, they were just finding different ways to insert him onto the yes. show. And it's a very similar gimmick with them doing the musical thing. Uh, so... Just think of that rise if you want to think about where John Cena was on the card and and, and how WWE felt about him back during this time. Yeah, but and back then they actually did something with it. Like, yeah, you know, they did. They dropped the ball with Elias <laughs> like everybody else. But <clears throat> yeah, anyway, that's a very good comparison. To, uh, Elias is as close to that as you're going to get. So, but well, this is Vengeance 2003 that we're talking about here, July 27th, 2003, from the. Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado. Uh, no, thank you. No, Pepsi is not okay. We're gonna take Coca-Cola, Cheerwine, exactly. preferably here, <laughs> where we're from. And this is gonna be the first ever SmackDown exclusive pay-per-view. And who better to be on the poster besides Canyon, but the Undertaker? <laughs> Man, very memorable pay-per-view poster and DVD mm-hmm. cover. Um, 
lots of lots of good matches on this pay-per-view, man. I I was telling you, I texted you when I was talking about these notes, man. I thought SmackDown kind of sucked during this time, watching it back. There's a lot of garbage here on these episodes, and it's it was not fun to watch a lot of this stuff back. And there's way right. too much Vince and way too much oh, Hogan yeah. and Piper and Stephanie and Sable on these shows. But I remember buying this pay-per-view as soon as it came out and it being a great pay-per-view. Man, yeah. there's some fantastic pro wrestling and a lot of variety. There's like great stuff with Benoit and Guerrero and Kidman and Rey Mysterio and World's Greatest Tag Team. But then mm-hmm. like the stuff with Vince and Zach Gowan is a great match. It's and fun, yeah. The APA Barroom Brawl is silly oh, and fun. And brother love. <laughs> yeah. And Canyon's and in Canyon. it too. He gets invited. In the- uh, <laughs> yeah. Matt Capitelli and John Morrison are out yeah. there. Like uh, that, I, I rewatched that because it's just <laughs> stupid fun. Yeah. But it's a good pay per view. It is. It really is. You know, they uh, hit a home run from their first. Uh, at bat i'd say so well this match we're gonna get cole and taz on commentary as we're gonna be accustomed to here on smackdown this match is third from the top right under the wwe title triple threat and vince versus Zach gallon so you know not bad those are definitely the top two stories on the show and this is the third top so it makes sense but um definitely the only time undertaker think... worked under Zach gallon on the card <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i believe so so, but watching the video recap before this match, you'd have thought that this Cena Taker build had been brewing for a year since they, you know, had the handshake backstage, and they do a really good job of tricking you and believe that it's been building for a year. Like you said, we've we've mentioned here, Taker's not even present for two of these weeks. This four week build, and um, but this video is really they do some really good sleight of hand and editing magic to make you think it's better than it was but it was it was a cool video this video is one of the best examples of how great WWE's production team is mm. because <laughs> you listen back to this podcast we <laughs> there's not much to this feud but this yeah. video is awesome uh yeah actually this is so weird that i remember this but in high school i was dating a girl and you'll remember who she was travis but uh Mm -hmm, she happened mm -hmm. to come over uh and i had this on the tv or somehow i was already watching it when she came over or something and she was like i keep watching it and this video package came on she didn't care a thing about wrestling but she watched this video package and she was like I want to see this match like this. Uh, this John Cena. Yeah. Earth, this is this is great. This is awesome. We sat there and watched the whole match, and that it just does such a great job. Their videos are awesome. They tell you the whole story. You don't have to know anything, but they can suck right. you right into it, man. Exactly, exactly. Which is really NXT does that really well nowadays. Because mm-hmm. I don't get a chance to watch NXT every week, but I watch all the takeovers, and it doesn't even matter if you don't watch because their video packages. And, they, and there's actually storytelling on NXT, so it's, yeah. it helps. So, well, um, Cena comes out here first with his Word Life music, which is just so good. And he comes out with an old-school throwback Larry Bird Indian State jersey on, man. He's just, golly, it's awesome. Yeah. I miss how those, you, how man. How you boo this guy, man? <laughs> like, he's so cool. And he's a new, he's a leading the new school here. He uh, gives a little, uh, you know, freestyle, talking about uh, – leading the news school, like I said, and says he's going to take out the evil and let him leave him resting in pieces, and you're going to find your, his bones and his feces and stuff. I mean, how can you run feces <laughs> and pieces is, is what it is. But tells Taker to suck his tailpipe and uh, ends it with, um, I'm way better than dead, man. you just another sucker. You think he's beating John Cena? Use a stupid mother 
when the crowd finishes it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, bad mother truckers. Wasn't that a video game? I believe it was. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, Taker, speaking of a bad mother trucker. <laughs> Taker rides out next. He's got this sweet Clemson Tigers bike. Yeah, Orange and purple. <laughs> yeah. But, unfortunately, man, I think hmm. he pulled a Hulk Hogan here. And it looks to me like... He stalls his bike out up at the top of the ramp, man. He he just kind of sits up there for a while. He looks like he tries to rev it. They cut back to the ring for a long mm-hmm. time, just showing John Cena. A real tight shot, or just on Cena. Yeah, Undertaker yeah. <laughs> is not selling it though, man. He's just staring nope. bullets through Cena, and eventually, after a couple minutes, he just decides he's just gonna stroll down the ramp. Yeah, <laughs> because the bike's not coming along. Yeah, I thought that too. I wasn't sure if that was like a production snafu or what happened, but yeah, I think I agree with you. I think it just stalled out because he had to leave it up there. But like you said, man, and one thing we've talked about since day one is when something like this happens, Mark Calloway does not let it affect him. Nope. And he he does not. He just keeps on moving on, man, and just stares a hole through Cena on his way down the ring. And it's just it's so cool. He was probably gonna do that on his bike on the way around, you know. But he just changes, you know, ad libs and and does this. It's just. He's so good, man, at what he does. He does, man. He he pulls it off here. You wouldn't notice a thing if you weren't really paying attention. But he comes out, he does his posing in the ring, and then him and Cena get right to it, dude. They are bringing the intensity at the start of this match, throwing hands at each other, man, just going back and forth in the corner. It was a great uh, opening to this match. Oh, yeah. Cena slaps Taker, and then Taker starts punching him in the corner, and Cena actually puts his hands up to block the punches, which that's a novel concept in wrestling. <laughs> Nobody else has ever tried that. So, um, But, yeah, it was pretty cool to see. And then Taker boots Cena out of the ring and throws him into the barricade, throws him head first in the timekeeper chair and uh, heads back in the ring to break the count, I think. And as he does that, Cena grabs a swig of water for the working man over there. <laughs> so the yeah, timekeeper. Dude. Got to stay hydrated out there, but which I was like, what is he doing? Yeah, <laughs> I'm switching it back, but it works in the match because he's going to spit that water into Taker's face, uh, much like Tajiri once misted Taker. Yeah. Taker's unfazed by it, man. He's not feeling that move and just decides to <laughs> keep whipping Cena into the barricade, slams him into the ring post, and it is all Taker the first few minutes of this match. He is teaching Cena some lessons in respect over and over and over again. Yeah, and as they're kind of having this melee on the outside, he's uh, they're removing the padding from the barricade and kind of pulling it off there, which will come into play a little bit later, I think. So um, they're going to do, do, do a lot of removing the padding in this in this match here. So that's the story they're telling. But, yeah, like you said, Taker's in control and does the apron leg drop on Cena, elbow um, on – excuse me. He's elbowing Cena's uh, uh, back, and then he's like, I'll show you what bad is. Does the big boots on the apron to Cena and just uh, just really taking it to him, you know? Like, you think he's a heel here because the way he's just beating down this little helpless John Cena. He is, so. man. He It is very one-sided here. They get in the ring, and Taker gets a two-count on Cena and then just turns the pinfall into this wrist-lock submission, and Cena's trying to fight up. He's trying to punch him, but Undertaker's just angry, man. He is, like you said, you're seeing some very heel-like tendencies from him during this match as he tosses Cena out of the ring. He brings him back in, and the old-school pain syndicate goes for old-school <laughs> on the new-school kid and then hits a huge choke slam on Cena. Yeah, you know, and covers him, but 
you know, the ref counts one, two, and as he gets to three, Taker picks him up off the mat, just like he used to when Classic. he was a heel last year. Yeah. It's um so again he's kind of playing a subtle heel here. Um, it's just it re- really reminded me of a match from two thousand and two, you know when he was a bad guy. So um, yeah, really really different approach here to this match. So he's then gonna go for the last ride because he wants to continue inflicting punishment on Cena, and that's gonna be his mistake here because Cena just wriggles out of that last ride, and then he gets a big DDT on Undertaker, and the announcers are just shocked by this. Yeah, he goes over there after that and tries to untie the top turnbuckle and doesn't quite get it all the way off, but that's there's a reason for that. So, And then he starts booting Taker and blatantly just chokes him, you know, like the same way that Triple H did when he came back from his injury, just choking people. <laughs> just, that was one of his babyface moves. But, uh, yeah, he starts choking Taker right here, and Taker's in control and uh, throws Cena into the turnbuckle that's almost ripped off and goes for a stinger splash and then, uh, goes to Stinger Splash Cena again, and as he does, Cena falls down and grabs the turnbuckle pad with him, removes it, so the Taker crashes right into it. It's a good move, man. I, yeah. I like how they've told that story in there, and Cena having to cheat, but also kind of outsmarting the Undertaker, yeah. this, this young kid, doing whatever it takes to take out the veteran. And, man, it, it, it does more damage than we ever thought it could do because Undertaker <laughs> is going to start coughing up blood from wow. hitting his chest onto the turnbuckle as the announcers sell his internal injuries. It was definitely a different twist and turn and different way to see Undertaker bleed during this matchup. Yeah, I hadn't seen this match probably since you and I watched it on your DVD back you right. know, 16 years ago, and so I forgot that it's going to get that intense. You know, he's coughing up blood. I did so, too. Um, it caught me off guard, but um, they're back. Uh, Taker, excuse me, on the outside punching Cena, and they get back up on the apron, and uh, Taker standing on the apron, and Cena just runs like back and forth along the ropes, and then winds up knocking. Uh, take her off onto those exposed barricade on the outside so he hits his midsection there again so again they planted those seeds earlier when they're pulling the barricade off you think it's an accident but then it winds up coming into play in the match you know it's a that's a taker thing right there man because it's very reminiscent of uh him and sean how they set up the uh the hell in a cell with the cameraman getting in the way all the time and then that led to them you know getting out of the cell just really cool storytelling man which is good to see sometimes <laughs> it is man that's a signature for taker that's so, like i didn't even honestly notice that man I, I missed that in my notes as i was taking them and watching them but that's really cool uh that you pulled that out because i didn't even see it that's awesome i just thought it was just that attention to detail they have was yeah. just perfect right there so it's cena and undertaker they're they get back at the ring they're exchanging punches uh taker gets a clothesline and, and gets another two count here but He's, you know, those injuries are hitting him, and he slashes the throat like he's going to do for the tombstone, but he can't quite get Cena up for it here because his uh, ribs are hurting too bad, and that's going to give Cena an opening to go for his move, to go for the FU, but Taker keeps fighting out of that, and he goes for the old Hulk Hogan special and hits the boot and leg drop on Cena, <laughs> uh, but Cena's going to kick out of that one. Oh, yeah, he kicks out at two, and then Taker punches him in the corner, and then Taker starts to choke Cena, maybe. We're not quite sure. The camera doesn't get a good shot of it. He's laying like underneath the rope. and uh, Yeah, that part's weird. It's like, it seemed like Taker was telling Cena to finish or something. Like, yeah. I, I don't know, man. They, they did that spot for a long time. It seemed like yeah. they were talking to each other about something. 
Yeah, the camera's on the opposite side of where the action is, so you can't really see what's happening. But, um, you know, Mike Yoda actually winds up pulling Taker off and reprimanding him for, I guess, his choke or whatever, a blatant choke, I'm not sure. But, and Cena grabs his chain from underneath uh, the, well, it's just on the corner of the, the, the ring right there. He grabs it and nails Taker in the stomach with it, um, which Michael Cole, the, in his idiot infinite wisdom, says he grabs a biker chain, like, Dude, it wasn't a biker chain. No. It wasn't Taker's. It was John Cena's necklace that he wears out. It's a giant chain. You freaking moron. So, yeah, anyway. I noticed that too. It's so mad. I can't stand that guy sometimes. <laughs> Back then, I couldn't. Oh, oh definitely not. I respect no. his work now, like his work ethic like, as a person, but I do not still like his commentary. <laughs> anyway. Well, Cena is going to grab that chain and punch Taker with it uh, out of. Uh, uh, yeah, he does. He hits him in the ribs with it, further complicating that injury. And he does hit the fu, but Undertaker just barely kicks out. I think a lot of the crowd thought Cena was actually going to yeah. pull it off here, and uh, the kick out gets a big reaction from the crowd. And Cena's obviously very frustrated, and he starts punching Undertaker, and then he gets Taker into the corner and goes up top for you know some ten punches in the corner, and that's going to prove to be his mistake. Yeah, as we've seen in the past, you can't ten punch the Undertaker in the corner. You know you can't. So take uh, Cena's doing that, and then he stops to do his little word life hands taunt. And Taker grabs him up and hits a last right out of the corner and gets to one two three at sixteen minutes to to win this match. So, um, yeah, the crowd pops, but they're a little bit shocked, I think, because they really I think I think half the crowd thought that Cena's going to win this match. So absolutely, um, yeah. And yeah. there's a debate up to say that he. Probably should have, you know. Who definitely, knows? definitely. I, I remember that being the talk, and uh, I'm sure some people still think that to this day. And, and this is one of those ones we've kind of talked about, you know, Taker's reputation back in the day. And yeah, you know, I'm sure some people still have that reputation. I thought of Undertaker that he didn't put people over enough, or he held people down during this time. And this would be one that people point to. Like, I, I don't know, man. What, what do you think? Do you think Cena? Should have gone over. Looking back at this, you know, they weren't real. Undertaker didn't really need this win. He wasn't moving on. He's gonna face A Train next month. Right. He's not moving on to something bigger. Uh, right. What do you think, man? Uh, I mean, striking while the iron's hot. I probably would have put Cena over, but you know, it didn't. I mean, the kid went on to have a pretty good career, so it's all right, you know. But um, yeah, I probably would have just in you know a booking meeting said, why don't we have him go over? Because I mean, he he wasn't on Mania, he lost to Brock, he beats Spanky Rhino and Benoit, but he didn't get the pinfall. I think Chuck Palumbo got the pinfall in that match, so it's not like he's had these high-profile wins yet. He just had high-profile matches, you know. So I mean, he did beat Taker in that you know screwy finish on SmackDown a month and a half ago, but right, I guess right. they're one and one now. They had to settle it at WrestleMania uh, to thirty-four. <laughs> Fifteen years in the making. <laughs> yeah, but um, I tell you what, Taker does sell after this match. He sells those internal issues. He doesn't just get up and you know celebrate. He's he rolling around in agony and spitting up blood and stuff. So he does, even though Cena lost. He still looks like he, he hurt the big dog, you know. Exactly. He, he put Taker down, so that is cool. I, and, I, and I see the book in there where it still gets him over even in a loss. You know, he can always brag about I may not have won, but I put you down like nobody else has in a long time. So I agree with that. And if you go back through our '96 episodes, you'll see plenty of instances of Undertaker putting young talent over when the time is right. So 
you know, it just it just wasn't right the right time for Cena, I think, in their book. And you could have done it, and it could have been fine, but it definitely doesn't upset me like it did no. back then. Uh, right. So, you know, I, I can see the perspective of it and the timing of it uh, nowadays a little bit more. But, yeah, like we said, that will be the last time we cover Cena and Undertaker for a while. Uh, they do have a few other interactions before we get to their WrestleMania match, but nothing on pay-per-view, really. Uh, but that's going to do it for this week before we keep this motorcycle ride rolling, rolling, rolling on to the last ride as we head into SummerSlam 2003 next week and uh, the train wreck of the A train against the emotional freight train one-on-one on, one on pay-per-view. Man, surely that's going to be the main event level quality match. Can't wait to talk about it, folks. Please don't tune us out next week just because that's the match. I'm sure there'll be plenty of fun <laughs> stuff to talk about. But uh, That's a fun show. It is a fun show. Uh, we want to hear your thoughts about this match. Do you think Cena should have gone over back in the day? Uh, did you enjoy this match? I enjoyed it a lot more than I remember yeah. enjoying it, man. I remember not liking that match too much back in the day, but I thought it was pretty good, especially the, the last few minutes of it. I thought it held up pretty yeah. well. I agree, man. I agree. I was definitely surprised at how much I enjoyed it. So, kind of like the Big Show No Way Out match, I, was, I enjoyed it a little bit more than I thought it would. This is this was better, but anyway. Well, we'll see. We'll see. We're we're gonna do our top ten of the Biker Taker era here in a couple weeks on episode one hundred of the show as we close out the Biker Taker era. Then, but of course, we got a few more matches to go. We'll see if this one cracks either of our top tens during that time. Uh, hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram to let us know what you thought of this match, of this episode, of the Middle Age Ministry, uh, all that good stuff. We want to hear from you. And please, as always, give us a follow and a subscription and a rating on your favorite podcasting service. Let us know. Let the people know that you're enjoying Talk and Take or Spread the Word. That's the biggest and best thing that you can do. We did hear from a few of you this week talking about this match. Of course, Randy Turco, always there uh, with his commentary, letting us know that you know taker was just continuing to help get young young guys over uh this <laughs> back then by uh, stopping by on their way to the top he points out <laughs> mankind in 96 stone yeah. cold in 97 kurt angle yeah. in july 2000 man he really was a gatekeeper for a lot of these guys on their way up to the top and again pointing out that last ride out of the corner and the brutality of it says only the jumping tombstone was more devastating and yeah, I'm sure that did not feel good for yeah. John Cena right there. And uh, Philip Goad also always bringing the commentary. I just pointed out that Cena promo in the graveyard and how awesome it was. And it really was, dude. It was a really star-making performance here from Cena. Really solidified him on his road up to the top. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. Good stuff and good interaction from the fans. We appreciate it. One other thing from our fans, a little more housekeeping. I got our poll results from our latest poll on the Twitter. Oh, yeah. Uh, I asked you guys, you know, we talked about that WrestleMania disaster last week. Uh, so I put up a poll with Undertaker's Judy worst Bagwell on WrestleMania <laughs> matches. Might as well have been on this one. Uh, but overwhelmingly, man, the giant Gonzalez WrestleMania match. Thank I believe you. you. You said that one. <laughs> yeah. 69% of the votes here as his Yikes. worst WrestleMania match. 
Boss Man, Hell in a Cell got 21%. Show and A-Train, only 10%, man, mm. uh, there. But, you know, I had completely forgotten it, blocked it out of my mind because of just how boring it was. We had multiple people say that the WrestleMania 11 King Kong Bundy match should have been on that poll. Oh, and I, I got to agree with you, man. I think the results might have been a little different. I think Gonzalez still would have won, but maybe not in quite of a landslide because a lot of people did bring that one up. And like I said, man, it just I whiffed well, on that one because it just is so unmemorable. Well, that match, the match didn't bother me. It was the ending where he no sold and just stomped the bat like a baby girl. I was just, that's, I still get hot about that, man. I can't stand it. Rest his soul. I know he's gone yeah. now, but golly, I remember getting so hot when we recorded that episode about that stupid finish. So, anyway, yeah. Speaking of, uh, we have all this great uh, polls and interaction with these fans and stuff like that. We have a really great interaction recently, and we have been saying that you guys can meet The Undertaker wearing one of our pieces of clothing our items our uh, paraphernalia if you will we got something special for you and well it took 95 six episodes almost 100 and uh, almost two years of us doing this and quite possibly one of the coolest things that we could never have imagined actually happened so fill us in without question biggest shout out of the week goes to Jeremy Bagley he's been along for the ride for a while now a big fan a great listener to our show his Twitter handle of course is at the Jeremy Bagley the Jeremy Bagley oh, he deserves yeah. that the exactly <laughs> he went to a meet and greet with the Undertaker I believe this was the New Jersey comic or Ni- excuse me Niagara Falls yeah. Comic Con and I saw a lot of great pictures, uh, people with The Undertaker. It looked like a really awesome experience. But he, not only does he have the Taker Easy shirt on, he's got the Taker Easy tank top on, which we have highlighted. <laughs> you know, I, I wish he would have put the sleeves down for the picture and really shown Taker that our podcast yes. means business, you know. <laughs> But it's a great picture. We've retweeted it. It's on his profile as well. Jeremy Bagley wearing our podcast t-shirt to meet The Undertaker. So awesome. So cool. We have not been able to make it out to one of these meet and greets. It's definitely a goal of ours to make that happen one day, Travis, and to meet The Undertaker ourselves. But this is the next best thing. And, dude, we can't thank you enough, Jeremy, for buying a t-shirt much less wearing it to meet The Undertaker. Man, that's an honor that uh, you have enjoyed our show enough to do that, and it's so cool that you did that for us. Yeah, absolutely. We can't stress enough how neat and how awesome this is. And like I said, we we started this 90-whatever weeks ago. We couldn't have thought this would ever happen. So we appreciate it. Again, all your interaction with all your fans is always the best part of this show. Talking about it, making jokes, being stupid is fun, but interacting with you guys is the best part. Seeing that literally any of you care is awesome. So thank you so much. And J-Bags, we got something coming for you, something special, something unique just for you. So hold tight. We'll get it, we'll get it to you. Give us a little bit, and we'll get you something special cooked up here in the uh, Talk and Take a Factory and going to send you away. So. And, and not only that, man, he also has a gift coming our way because he got a shirt autographed to us from The Undertaker, one of our shirts. How oh, cool man. is that? Man, that means, that means, Travis, that The Undertaker... He's aware of our podcast. <laughs> yes. He has seen the words Talking Taker Podcast. <laughs> May true. not have registered in his brain, but somewhere, you know, we got that sensory awareness. It's been implanted exactly. in there. So we're just, we're, 
we're right there, man. We're right on the edge of getting our barbecue cookout in the backyard <laughs> with the dead man. <laughs> the invitation is out there, Taker. We want to just talk to you. All we're asking is five hours of your time to eat barbecue and ask you every question we could possibly want to know about your career. That's it, man. Exactly. It's not that hard. We will pay for it's all of that. it. I don't know. He's charging some steep prices for these meat and greens. He's worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By all means. It definitely is. So, uh, yeah, it might not have been a hill of beans to him when he saw this shirt, but it means a hill of beans to us and then some. So, um, we love it. Well, Jeremy did give us a little inside scoop. You know, if you've ever been to one of these meet and greets, you know you don't get much time with these right. guys. But Jeremy said Taker was cool. He talked to him for about 30 seconds, thanked him. Uh, Undertaker thanked Jeremy for his service. And Jeremy mm, yeah. thanked Undertaker for all the support he has for veterans and for his fellowship in the faith you know the middle-aged ministry and uh he really he, he just pointed out undertaker's size he said he was blown away by it his neck was as big as jeremy's head and um he if you look at the picture jeremy says he's uh, about about 71 inches tall barefoot 235 pounds uh probably about six feet one with his shoes on and taker just towered over it man at six foot seven and probably 275 and we see it on TV, but it's another thing in person to just see his right. incredible presence there. Yeah, absolutely. So I can't imagine meeting him. Maybe you would feel like he's three feet taller than me. So it'd be incredible. But yeah, man, that's so cool. Thanks for sharing that. Thanks for giving us your your inside scoop there. We appreciate it. Any of you other people, other creatures of the night that meet him, let us know. You know, we want to see your interactions and hear about him. Oh, and for the, sure. the offer still stands. We've got a special oh, gift yeah. for anybody who meets The Undertaker in one of our shirts, you can head over to tpublic.com, search for Talking Taker or Taker Easy, whichever you want to do, find the links on our social media profile, and get a shirt. Not only will you look incredible in any of our Talking Taker merch, you will be supporting the show. And we've updated the t-shirt to reflect The Undertaker's career did not end in 2018, but it is still going strong in 2019. And who knows where it will go for the rest of this year and maybe even beyond. Yeah, exactly. We might be in middle-aged ministry doing this one. I think we will, man. We're, we're pretty much <laughs> there. He still keeps uh, keeps uh, wrestling. So Anyway, but those of you, uh, if you were there at the Pepsi Center on this night at Vengeance 03, let us know if you had a Pepsi. If you had a Coke at the Pepsi Center, let us know. If you were renegade, you stuck one in there, let us know. If you were there, tell us your thoughts and, and your memories about this show, about this match with uh, the rising star John Cena. Again, they he went on to have a pretty good career, so... In fact, he's starring in Fast and Furious 9, isn't he? But he won't be That's with right. Rock, unfortunately. So, um, But he'll be in there with Groot. So that'd be neat. So, <laughs> Anyway, I gave up on those movies in 2001. So, oh, But man, whatever. They've gotten so much better. Mm, that's, yeah. Anyway, I'll leave that. Uh, anyway, but, uh, whatever. Anyway, if you were there uh, in Pepsi Center, let us know. Other than that, ladies and gentlemen, take her easy. Congratulations. You got Kevin Nash. Houston, Texas, June 15th, Bad Blood, Hell in a Cell, Hell in a Cell, oh my god, Magic